Hello and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon here with my friend and Chavruta Yerdena Osband, our daf of the day, Masachet Gitin, daf Lamed Hey, page 35. So about halfway down, not exactly, Ahmed Aleph, we have here a discussion, Amar of Yehuda, Amar Rav Yirmiya Bar Abba. So Rav Yehuda says that Rav Yirmiya Bar Abba said, and now he's quoting a machloket, or really they start out together, Rav and Shmuel. Rav Ushmul da Amri Travaihu, they both said together, Lo Shano Ela Bevetin, Abel Chutzlebetin, Meshbiin Ota. So, what's the case? We're talking about a situation of a widow who's in court. And the reason she's in court, the question is, does she need to take an oath, right? An oath, which is a, a big deal, right? The idea that you say, you, you, you're basically attesting to the fact that what you're saying is true, but you're going to do so with the name of God and possibly holding a safer Torah, right? This is, we'll come to this more in Masachat Shavuot, right? The, the idea is that once she's in court, then they, they handle this very seriously, and indeed she would need to, to do this. But if she's out of court, then she doesn't take um, outside of the court. They don't do the whole, uh, the whole administration of the oath in the same serious way. Any? The Gemara says, really? Are you sure? Is that so? So the Gemara says, one second. Rav, meaning we've got Rav and Shmuel, right? So Rav was known to not collect the payment of the Ketubah for a widow. Armalata is the Aramaic there for widow. Because she doesn't take an oath. Meaning, if he's not going to administer the oath outside of the... Like, if he's not going to give her the ketubah outside of the court is because he's not going to give her the oath either, right? So the problem is, and the Gemara says so, Kasha, this is difficult because that statement of Rav or that, that known position of Rav about how, in fact, the widow, in order to be able to collect her ketubah, would need to take this oath, it seems to contradict the statement of Rav Yehuda, which Rav Yirmiyabba Araba said that Rav and Shmuel both agree, blah, 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 blah. Right? So the Gemara basically presents all of this to ask this question. It seems that we have Rav's statement contradicting Rav's statement. The Gemara goes on, and it, we're going to see more of these statements of Rav and Shmuel. Besura Matnohafi. So in Surah, in the city of Surah, Surah, they taught the following, meaning specifically about. Uh, it doesn't even say the the following. It really means the previous, right? Matnohafi. They learned thus. That Rav and Shmuel agreed as Rav Yehuda said that they did above. However, but in the city of Naharda'a, that's where they talk, taught the opinion of Rav and Shmuel in the following way. I'm Rav Yehuda, I'm Shmuel. So in Naharda'a, they taught again. Rav Yehuda says that Shmuel says that the oath was not administered to the widow in court, but outside the court they would administer an oath to her. And Rav would say, even outside of the court, they also do not administer an oath. So in the Harda'ah, that teaching becomes much more streamlined. It doesn't have the same like stumbling over an apparent contradiction in one same person's two statements because it basically says Shmuel says this and Rav says that and that that works right Rav Latame so the Gemara says well Rav according to his own reasoning 
right? Makes sense. Because Rav is the one who does not collect ktuba payment for a widow in any case. Meaning, he says the widow doesn't get the ktuba. The Gemara says that about Rav, like Rav's statement, well, so then he should give a vow to the widow. Make her that he should take a vow, not that same oath. And then he should indeed collect the ketubah in accord with that Mishnah, right? Which says that the widow can take a vow instead of the oath. And then the Gemara says, Bishne de Rav Kilu Nidre. In Rav's era, in Rav's day, the vows were treated lightly. So Rav was concerned that the widows were not going to be, like it wouldn't be treated seriously enough. And then what would happen? The widow, the, the orphans, everybody would end up being at risk of losing the possible, you know, the money that's coming to them. And the, in the orphans, it's the case of the inheritance. And the widow, it becomes like they're like, like piling on prohibitions because of making these vows. So it ends up being that, like, a, 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 a take a step back to understand why Rav doesn't administer the oath to the widow. Where is he coming from in all of this? Now we've got an example. There was a particular widow who came before Rav Huna. Amar la, he says to her, He says to her, what can I do for you? Because, you know, Rav doesn't collect the payment of the ktuba for the widow. Amar la, she says back to him, so he says, the widow says to her, to, says back to Rav Huna, in the reason that I can't get the ketuba money because of some concern that I might have taken some payment of that ketuba during, you know, already. So she says, I swear, and we talk a lot about not swearing, but she takes this oath seriously, and this is the lashon, this is the formulation of an oath, chai Hashem tzvakot. I swear, and it means like, as God lives, right? That I did not get any benefit from the ketubah. And so Rav Huna says that, okay, listen, the court still is not going to give an oath to the widow. But in this case, Rav accepts the idea that somebody who like jumps up of her own accord, kofetzet, jumps, right? Leaps, I guess, to take an oath of her own accord, that's when the oath would be accepted. And in fact, she can collect the Tuba money. And I would say, Yerdana, that this is one of those cases where the women learning Gemara actually helps the case of the woman who needs to know the Gemara to know that all she has to do is kofetzit. She needs to go jump and actually take this oath to be able to collect her ketuba. Uh Look, it's a very it's an interesting little thing about halakha here. Like, there, It's a very specific case, right? It's not about the divorcee. It's specifically about the widow. Um, and this whole back and forth also about like, if you're taking an oath, if you're taking a net, like, I, I mean, this is just like a part of halacha that is not really, I, I don't know, like this isn't done today at all, <laughs> as far as I know. Um, but it's I, I, like, it's very specific, like it's such a narrow case. That's what I was very struck by. Well, I would say just, you know, at least the last bit, right? The example of Rav Huna, there's several more widows who come before, right? Like there's some more, several more Masahai's actual cases of widows who, who did whatever they did in the given cases. I'm, I stopped reading in the interest of time, um, but I don't want to negate their presence there. 
yeah, no, I'm not talking about the case of Rapuna, but I'm saying like in general, this is, seems to be a very, very particular specific scenario. Okay, I'm going to move on now. Now, if you recall, similar to a mission that we had two times ago where we talked about Kitzkin, Rabban Gamliel, Hazakain, right? That Rabban Gamliel made some sort of, uh, you know, he made a tikkun olam. We talked about that before, that the get cannot just be, you know, uh, voided, right? And so, again, in our mission, we had Kitzkin, Rabban Gamliel, Hazakain, should say, hey, no directly yitomim kol masha yirtsu right? That it it talked about here that essentially he made a takana um, that the widow should vow to the orphans whatever they wish. Um, what that actually means here is that instead of swearing, right, that she didn't make her payment, instead of taking a shvua, instead she could take a neder that something should be prohibited to her if she did receive the payment. So this is a whole thing of like Nadarin back again. Um, and then it says, and then she can collect her ketuba, uh, you know, uh, from the Yatomim, from the orphans, from the estate that they inherited from their father. Um, and also he said, you know, right, that there is, I know I'm reading, going back and reading this mission again, that there's a decree that witnesses should sign again, because of tikkun olam. Um, and so we'll, we'll, so again, we have this thing of Rabban Gamliel coming and fixes some, fixing something in halakha that he felt was not working well. So the Gemara comments on this section here, right? Amar Rav Huna, Rav Huna said, Lo shanu ela This law that the widow should vow instead of taking a shvua, in other words, she takes a vow instead of taking a neder, was, uh, sorry, she takes a neder instead of taking a shvua. Is the case is only in a case where she is not yet remarried. But if she has remarried, we don't allow her to, she can't collect her ketubah on the basis of this vow. So the Gemara wants to say, if she's remarried, what's the reason that she can't take a vow in order to collect her ketubah? Because what can happen if she's remarried, and we, this goes back to our Mesechet Nidarim. The husband is basically allowed to revoke her vow, right? He can be, he can basically say your vow, you're not allowed to do this vow. So if she were to basically take some type of neder that the husband would view as sort of too difficult in order to collect her ketubah or in order to prove that her ketubah had not been paid, right? Then her new husband could basically be like, I don't want you to do this neder. And, you know, so she still would not be able to get her ketubah. So the idea is, and we don't want people to take Nidarim that they're not going to be able to do. So that's why we don't want her to do this. So the Gemara says, So it says the husband cannot revoke prior vows. In other words, a vow that she took before their marriage. So the Gemara says, Okay, so let's say maybe she'll go to a sage. And Holonel the vow for her. So again, this gets back to our Mesach and Nizar. Remember, there are two ways to get out of a vow, out of a Nizar. First is your husband could revoke it. The second is you could always go to the Chacham, right? You could go to, remember, that expert sage or a panel of three people, and they can annul, annul the vow for you, right? So, um, so you know, they she could go to the Chacham and, and, you know, and say like, oh, had I known this, I wouldn't have taken the Nizar, and then he would have annul it for her. So the Gemara says, Rav Huna, right? He's basically holding that one must, you know, lift a rate. You have to detail. You have to be explicit about what were the circumstances in which she accepted the vow. 
when you have to go to the Chacham for its annulment. So if a widow goes and says she made a conditional vow to prove she hadn't got her ketubah, he's not going to give her an annulment. So we don't need to worry about that. Then Rav Nachman comes and he says, Rav Nachman Amar, right? Even if she is remarried, she can still collect her ketubah using a nether. And the Gemara says, Wait, if she remarried, of course her husband's going to revoke her vow. So how does her vow happen? So the Gemara answers, We make her vow in public. In other words, and what this means is, is that she has to do it in front of 10 people. And the reason for this is Rav Nachman holds that essentially if you do it in a very public setting, then the husband is not allowed to be mafiared. So even in the case of a widow who already remarried, if she makes this nedar publicly, then she could still collect her ketubah. Now the Gemara is going to challenge Rav Huna, where Rav Huna said that a widow who's remarried can no longer get her ketubah by taking a nedar, and they're going to spend some time trying to challenge this. Um, but again, I think it's interesting to see the Gemara has a, a read that is totally not evident that that's really what the Mishnah means, right? They come in and they they add like a, such a significant detail um, that's not apparent from the Mishnah at all. That's our dot discussion for the day. Thank you for joining us. Rank us, review us where you get your podcasts. Come talk to us on our Facebook page and tell us what you think of this stuff. Thank you to Rabbi Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. And until tomorrow, go and learn. Music.